0: everyone and welcome back to the Thundergrads. i'm your host haley hurst and i'm here with michael martin how are you doing michael
1: doing all right um i was telling you before the show i finally moved in my new apartment i went three weeks without a bed basically no way i slept on like a mattress topper but i finally got a mattress so yeah that was my that was my great experience there i was like why does my back hurt and my roommates like well you've been sleeping on the floor and it's like oh that makes that makes way more sense
0: that sounds very college of you right now i'm not gonna lie
1: Yeah. Do you have any big um, college things in your dorm room that just scream college?
0: I mean, I got blessed and I live in the cross dorm. So I have my own room. I share a bathroom with my roommate and then we share a living room. So I don't really have anything that's super dorm-ish. I mean, the only thing is laundry drama. I live on an all-girls floor. So there's always some type of laundry drama and it gets pretty juicy at times.
1: Do you ever get your uh, clothes stolen?
0: I have not because I don't really dry my clothes in the dryer and I keep very like strict times like when I'm like timing myself so I always like hang dry my clothes so I, I haven't had anything stolen yet I'd knock on wood that it doesn't happen away. in the next three weeks but that'd be terrible
1: I'd feel really bad it would act like it would seem like if I stole it or something now if I if you had something stolen exactly, right exactly
0: Michael don't don't get on my floor I just
1: like your jacket okay <laughs> thank you but, well, <laughs> what is the actual subject of this podcast Haley
0: The Thunder and post-game season. This has been such an exciting, well, kind of exciting post-game season. But before we get into that, we're definitely going to get into the Thunder. Um, So... Who do you think from the past Thunder team will be on the 15-man roster next year? OUKC has four picks coming into this next season. Who do you think is going to be dropped? Who do you think is going to leave? Who's going to get demoted? Who's going to be traded? What are your thoughts and feelings? And then who needs to stay?
1: So let's go through the 15-man or 16-man that I guess we have right now just so we know who's available. Because I know there are a lot of guys in and out of the lineup. They made a lot of different free agency signings in two ways or whatever.
0: Yes, yeah, so who do you think is definitely staying off of that 15-man? I mean, obviously we have Shea and Giddy; They're not going anywhere.
1: Shea, Giddy, Dort, Trey Mann, Poku, Kenrich, Muscala, JRE, and Darius Baisley are the first nine that came to mind. I was like, okay, they'll be back. Absolutely. I think Aaron Wiggins will be back. He's on a very cheap deal. And then next up, as you said, they have four picks. I'm going to say the Thunder's first-round pick, which hopefully will be in the top four, will be here. Um, I'll say that the Clippers pick, wherever that is, will be on the team. I'm thinking maybe they'll trade up. And then you'll have, I guess, the 13th man on the roster will be another first round pick. And then the last two roster spots, I have Derek Favors just on that one year deal because I don't think they can get rid of him. And maybe they trade him later down the line or trade him during the draft. And then the 15th spot was really hard for me. I ended up putting a two-way tie because I just couldn't pick between the two guys. But I had Veet Crutchy and Trey Waters or uh, Lindy Waters. So... I'd be happy with that no matter what. The guys who I left out were Ty Jerome, Teo Maladon, Isaiah Roby, who I guess they'll be traded or cut or demoted or something like that. It's nothing against those guys. I just think that the Thunder are probably going to bring in some more ball handlers, and gar- or they already have a lot of ball handlers, so there's just not a lot of room for Ty Jerome and Teo Maladon. And as far as Roby goes, he's been solid, but he's not going to get minutes over JRE, Baisley, Muscala, and then whatever first-round pick they have, which is likely going to be a big so I, I think it's a solid roster for next year. I don't think they're going to win a ton of games, but I think it will be fun.
0: I think it will definitely be another rebuilding year for the Thunder. I mean, the next couple years will. I would love to see them try to make a run at the playoffs next year, but that's just me with my hopeful thinking. Um, but I kind of disagree on the Derek favors because I feel like he's been super inconsistent and has not played well this past season, and I feel like he's kind of lost his touch around the ball. I know um, we bought him out of his contract,
1: Uh, No. No. If if we wanted to get rid of him, we would have to buy him out. He was traded in a salary dump from Utah.
0: Well, doesn't he have a $10 million player option?
1: I am going to confirm right now that Derek Favors is going to pick up that option. That's like going, um, Haley, you have the option to have a $100 gift card. (laughs) If you want to be really nice, you could just give it back to me. Are you gonna pick it up? Or are you gonna?
0: I'm I'm gonna pick it that's up. That's what I thought,
1: and that's what Derek Favors is gonna do because no one else is gonna sign him for ten million dollars. So he's gonna keep that contract. Um, you could definitely buy him out or stretch out his contract. Stretching out a contract is basically. You take the year, that uh, whatever time is left on the contract, and then you add another year, and you split that money up. So if it's a two-year deal, you'd spread the money over three years. Since it's a one-year deal, you'd spread it over two years, and it'd be $5 million a year. I don't think the Thunder want any more dead money, since they already have dead money with guys like Kimball Walker and some other guys who are just eating away at the cap. But I think Derek Favors comes back, unless they have some big trade where they move him as part of the salary. But I don't see a way other than that to get rid of him, because I don't think they want to buy him out
0: fair fair and then back to Lindy Waters I know he's a hometown kid he's from Norman Oklahoma he's a good shooter but personally I feel like he's a massive liability on defense and he's not super well-rounded so I wouldn't be surprised if he got moved down to the G League or just like doesn't if, if he gets traded mid-season um But I feel like moving him down to the G League would be most convenient for the Thunder.
1: That's a good point. I don't think he has really any trade value. I think he's only going to really have value to the Thunder. But I think you're probably right in the sense that he's probably going to be kind of in the same situation where you're going up from the G League, back down, up and down, where you just kind of come in for different spots and different stretches. He'll probably come back again towards the end of the year next year if they do focus on rebuilding again. But yeah, I like Lindy as a player. He's not a great defender, like you said, but they have enough defenders around him and what is really important that will keep him on the floor is he can really shoot the ball and they need that on the roster
0: okay and, but I also agree with Chai Jerome leaving. Um, I just feel like he's had a really hard time finding his rhythm, and he's 26, and I feel like he's already coming off of his peak because I feel like he's just unbelievably inconsistent for his age, how long he's been in the game. I just feel like he doesn't have a lot of great playing time left in him, especially on the Thunder.
1: Yeah, you nailed it. There's not just not a lot of upside with him. I mean, he's a 6'3 guy who's not super athletic. He shoots the ball decently well. He's not a great ball handler. He's not a great passer. He's a decent team defender but he doesn't really stop anybody one-on-one i've uh, we've talked about just like developing different guys and i'd rather just give his minutes to guys like trey man and poku and insert draft pick they get this year than him I mean hopefully he can go to a different team and help them out but at 26 like you said I just don't think he really helps his team all that much.
0: I agree and I feel like he's past that prime age of like trading and where you really see his worth because we haven't seen you know what he can really do in the past couple years and it's kind of been a little disappointing.
1: Yeah I mean he was just a throw-in in in the Chris Paul trade I don't think he was somebody who they were like actively um, going after or sought out but He could definitely help a team on the backside who's like a contender or something and maybe uh, play 10 minutes a game during the regular season, but he's not somebody who you need long-term.
0: Absolutely. And as we are looking at, Shea Gillis-Alexander signed an extension to his contract, so he'll be on the Thunder for another five years. Five years,
1: Yeah, for all those people who think that Shea wants out, he had the option basically within that deal is you can sign a four-year deal with a team option for year five or a five-year option with no opt-outs. He signed the full five years, which means he is locked in here for the next five years as long as he and the Thunder want to keep him here. But based on that and the exit interviews, it looks like Shea's locked in for long term and is really invested in this rebuild.
0: Keep in mind this is about how much he's making I, I find these numbers unbelievable for the 2022 2023 season he's making 30.5 million dollars for the 23 to 24 season 32.940 2000. Um, 2000- 2024, 2025. He's making 35380000 380 thousand, and it just keeps continuing up until it's about 40 million dollars in the 26 to 27 season. That to me is just mind blowing.
1: It's mind blowing, but he's he's worth it just in the sense of like the CBA and the collective bargaining agreement. You got to pay these guys if you really want to get some mind boggling things like James Harden, who hasn't been playing well. Haley is going to sign an extension this year, and he's going to have a year where he makes like 60 million dollars a year (laughs) even though he's not worth it
0: that's crazy it
1: is crazy but like there's just like the cap comes from how many people watch the games and if that many people watch the games (laughs) the cap's gonna keep going up so they gotta pay these guys and if um every other team you know some of it is like the Thunder aren't overpaying Shea by any sense
0: oh absolutely not I feel like he's being paid for his worth on the team
1: yeah absolutely and it's always a good test if you just asked yourself would every other team in the league pay Shea 30 million dollars a year to be on their team and the answer is absolutely yes because um, this is a really good deal for him. This is what they would call, I guess, the fun max, where I think it's only 25% of the cap. And then his next contract, he can get to up to 30 to 35% of the cap, which is a huge deal. So that's why Luka and Trey Young and those guys are set to make like $40 million, $45 million a year, compared to Shea, who has like 30 to 33 in that range.
0: Well, hasn't Luka been playing longer than Shea?
1: They were in the same draft. Oh, really? So you can get more incentives if you make all NBA teams, which okay. are the top 15 players in the league, which are voted by the media. So it's called like the Derrick Rose rule since he was making so little money and then he won MVP in like his third year. So they wanted to make it more fair where it's like if a guy really busts onto the scene, he should be able to get more money faster. So Luca's already made, I think, two all or three all-NBA teams in his first four years. So that's why he gets more money guaranteed.
0: Okay. Interesting, interesting. So is there an opportunity for Shea to be making more money? Um, potentially if not he on was this, not on this deal okay. on the next
1: deal he could if he makes a certain number of all nba teams or whatever incentives he needs to meet but for now it looks like this is kind of set in stone which i'm sure he is very excited about
0: yeah i mean i would be excited if i was getting paid that much yearly we were
1: excited for that 100 gift card that didn't exist i
0: was excited i mean hey free money is free money But anyways, speaking of great NBA players, Ja Morant was named the NBA's most improved player for the season a few days ago. Which Thunder player do you think has the best chance to win the award next year? And what do they have to do to win? What are some stats, overall improvements?
1: So, yeah, Ja Morant won most improved. He took a real big leap uh, this year going from a star to a superstar, which is going from, like, the top 95 percent of players to the top 99 percent, which is basically the hardest jump to make out there jaw acted like he was too big for the award or something like that so he gave it to his teammate which was a nice thing but he kind of regifted it have you ever regifted anything Haley?
0: i think i might have regifted like gifts i don't want in like white chinese christmas if that's what it's called or white elephant yeah yeah white elephant or chinese christmas or dirty santa or something like that yeah yeah that's definitely something i've I would regift him, but I don't. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Have you?
1: One time in middle school, um, this kid came to my birthday party and gave me something, and then I, like I went to a birthday party like three days later and forgot to get him a gift, so I just regifted the exact same gift that I got, and then <laughs> the guy was there who gave me that gift.
0: Oh, that's so awkward. It was a little
1: bit awkward, but, you know, when you're eight or nine, it doesn't really matter. That's true. But back to the subject at hand here, I think that Lou Dort probably has the... No, actually, no. I want to change my mind. I think it's Shea. Shea has the best chance. Shea? Shea has the best chance. You can look at the same thing as with um, John Morant of going from a star to a superstar, Shea still hasn't even made his first all-star team. I think he's a little bit underrated by the national media. I know we watch him all the time, so we know how great he is. But a lot of people aren't seeing him all the time because he's on a team that's winning 20 games and can't even really be watched by local TV people. But Shea has what it takes to get to the next level. Um, You saw in that last stretch before he was out for the season with that ankle injury of him averaging like 30, 35 points a game on like seven assists, six rebounds on really good percentages. If he's able to like capitalize on that and keep those trends up next year, there's no reason why he can't be in the conversation. Some of it's going to come down to just winning more games. It's hard to have people say you're more improved if your team only wins 25 games but at this rate where it looks like the Thunder are on the path to win maybe like 32 or 33 games some of it just kind of determined is determined by who else is out in the field like this year was like a historic year for most improved there were so many guys that got better but I think Shea has a really good chance what about you?
0: That's that's a really interesting take on it. I never thought of Shea, but now that you explained it, I really like that. I mean, for me, I have Giddy and I have Dort. Um, Dort definitely has the ability and the skill to get it, especially because of how good he is on defense. He just needs to stay healthy is his main issue, and I think next season he's really going to thrive once he is healthy and once he's really out there um, playing, and he needs to become a little bit more consistent on the offensive side to win most improved player, but for Giddy. I you know I just love giddy it's a big
1: smile on your face talking about him
0: I do I get a little giddy you know um if he can improve his shooting in the off season, I think he should be a top five favorite for this award probably going into the next two years um there's so much potential there and he just has to have that productive off season to really focus on shooting because he's so great in the paint he's so good at passing the ball I just want to see him facilitate more shots
1: Yeah, it'd be great if he could come back as a better shooter. I think that's what we all have our fingers crossed for. That would be the best thing of this offseason, that or getting the number one pick or both if if we were so (laughs) lucky. Um, I think Dort has a better chance. Giddy, it's a weird thing since I know you're kind of new to this. Most improved, they almost never give it to a second year player because the I guess assumption is you're in your second year you should get better. Yeah. So it usually goes to guys in their third, fourth, fifth year who okay. like were playing in a smaller role and then took a big jump into a bigger role. So you're seeing it with guys like Jordan Poole. So who, he was a guy who was like playing in the G League and now he's like a really productive starter or six man, averaging like twenty points a game. That's usually what most improved is. So I think Lou Dort has a really good chance. You nailed it when you talked about consistency. It's just little things like his shot is very up and down. He had a streak for a while where he was like right behind Steph Curry for most games in a row, making at least one three. And then he broke that. But it's just some of the consistency with shooting, some of the turnovers – Um, And I think it'll be easier. Hopefully they'll get more shooting around him this year, but he continues to get better and better every year. So I think he'd have to really raise his scoring from, I think he averaged like 17 this year to maybe like 22 or 23, which was a big jump, but I think he's definitely capable of doing it. So hopefully going into this year, we'll have at least one guy in the conversation for most improved.
0: Absolutely. So, As you know, if you live in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma area, we experienced some tornadoes this past week um, weekend, actually. So Vit, 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 how do you pronounce it? (laughs) Crutchy, Crutchy. Okay, I'm so sorry. I'm really bad with pronunciation. But so Vit made a tweet, and he said, "I experienced my first tornado in OKC." I'm not gonna lie. I was It was on my phone, TV, and um, sirens were going off everywhere. And he was saying how he was scared. So he packed up two gallons of water and food in a bag like he was going to be stranded in a basement. And headed over to his friend's parents' house. And there he was greeted with a woman in shorts, drinking a bottle of wine, laughing and chilling. And he was like, I just love the people of Oklahoma. I definitely overreacted a bit because I think we think it's super natural to, you know, have tornadoes. We live in Tornado Alley. So, Michael, do you have any funny tornado stories?
1: Um, so, my grandparents are very kind and very giving and like built us a tornado shelter in our garage, <laughs> which was very kind of them. But they only, my dad likes to joke that they only built a, um, a storm shelter big enough for three dogs and four people. So, my dad's left out in the cold. But we've had to use that a couple of times. Nothing crazy. Norman, it usually doesn't hit. Um, you're from Dallas. Are there a lot of tornadoes around Dallas?
0: So, I live on the outskirts of Dallas, north of it. Um, if you know where denton is it's where unt is tw those are some major colleges i live in a small town called decatur on a farm um and so there was one time there was a tornado and it formed in my backyard on like my acreage so my dad and i we walk out to the back and we're literally watching this massive tornado like Form, touched down, and then all of a sudden swooped back up into the sky. It was probably one of the coolest things ever. My dad got a video of it. And it's just, it's funny because we weren't, like, we were outside videoing it. Like, it's not like we're running for our lives. It's not like we're packing out the car ready to go. And... It, it was it was just a moment where it's like, okay, like, if this is my time, God's going to take me. And that's just kind of the mentality you have to have if you live in, like, Tornado Alley, I feel like.
1: I remember being, like, six or seven, and my mom's like, we need to get in the tornado shelter, like, just bring the most important thing to you. And I was, like, getting a pillowcase just, like, filling with toys. <laughs> She's like, Michael, No. Like, you need to get, like, I can't remember what would be important to me back then at, like, six or seven. That would be the most important thing to me is those toys. But, yeah, just things like that where it's, like, I'm just packing up my entire closet full of stuff. But it's um, funny. Um, So did you guys have, like, tornado sirens every noon in Mm -mm. Dallas, too?
0: That's so weird is on Saturdays at 12 p.m., In Oklahoma, it never fails to have a test tornado siren, especially on the campus of um, OU. So that was so weird for me being the first day here. I remember just moving into my dorms like the day before and I'm woken up by a tornado siren and I'm freaking out. I'm like, what is going on? Like there's not a cloud in the sky. And then I'd run into my hall and someone explained to me that that's normal.
1: I always think that's hilarious. I remember my freshman year was eating at like the, the calf down at Couch and just seeing all the freshmen as the siren goes off and they're all freaking out and they're like, where do we go? And you see all the upperclassmen are just sitting down. And it's like, no, nothing's happening. It's noon. I have thought about what if a tornado did hit at exactly noon on a Saturday and no one really considered it. I guess you would know a little bit by looking outside or the weather, but just, like, the whole siren going off and nobody reacting. But it is a funny thing, and I get a kick out of it whenever new students come in and around OU, and they have no idea what's Especially going on. Especially the international students.
0: Oh, yeah. They they go crazy. They had no idea what it was about. One of my friends lives in the international dorms, and she was trying to explain to me the situation of what was going on. And I don't know if I could have been able to handle it coming you know, from another country and then hearing those alarms and not knowing what they mean or what they do.
1: Pop quiz, what's the... Uh What is the plan if there's a tornado in your building down at Cross?
0: So you head down to the first floor, and we have a tornado shelter on the first floor of every building in Cross. Um, And so I actually did go down once. It was OU, Texas. The day everyone got back, there was a huge tornado that was coming through. And so like all the tornado sirens were going off. I remember cooking pasta in my dorm and I had to bring down like my pot of pasta that I just finished cooking. So I'm eating my pasta out of like an actual pot. Like I didn't have time to put it in a bowl because they rushed me down. Um, and everyone's watching the Chiefs game like on the screen. It was, it was chaos, but it, it's something to remember.
1: When I lived in the dorms, we had a fire drill and they told us we all had to leave, you know, even though it was a drill. If they found out, you'd be in big trouble. So one girl was taking a shower and like had her hair completely shampooed and had to come out in a towel and like stand outside until we all got the head count. It was hilarious. (laughs) I felt bad for her. But yeah, she had to go stand in front of like 400 people in... Yeah, I couldn't just, do that. I'm not that brave.
0: That's just rude and crucial. But anyways, let's get back to basketball. <laughs> that was a fun little break. But the Nets last night swept 4-0 to zero in the first round against the Boston Celtics. What does this mean for the Nets? Um, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, Steve Nash. What does it mean for all of those amazing players?
1: I'll go through it kind of one by one, or we can, I guess, talk it out on each individual. So I'll start with Kevin Durant. There are a lot of people in Oklahoma are very happy that Kevin Durant lost. There are people <laughs> who are very excited and very spiteful. I am one of those people. I <laughs> I you know, Kevin Durant left the Thunder high and dry. He wanted to get his own team after getting carried to a couple of rings with the Warriors, and now he goes to the Nets, and it's not so easy, is it? It's not so easy to pick your own team like LeBron and still win it all. But yeah, the uh, Celtics gave him a really tough time. That was the worst I've ever seen Kevin Durant play. He sucked. He was not good. I mean, they made it tough on him, like I said, but like he looked totally discombobulated and just lost out there.
0: He had multiple opportunities to close the game out and he just completely blew it. Game after game after game after game. That's
1: the thing. Like, normally in a sweep when it's 4-0, it's, like, a lot of blowouts. But every single one of those four games was, like, within five points, within a minute left. Like, and they just choked it out and couldn't get it done. Obviously, the Celtics were a better team than them. But this is the first time in NBA history, Haley, that a preseason, like, favorite to win it all didn't even win a single playoff game in the playoffs.
0: That's that's kind of embarrassing. And I mean Kevin Durant's legacy, he has like one of the legacies to be one of the greatest players ever. And I feel like the series definitely hurt his image coming out kind of like a Ben Simmons moment when he played for the 76ers.
1: I wouldn't say it's quite like that, but yeah, Kevin Durant is yeah, it's like, definitely t- not like he's that, a but... top 10 talent of all time, but talent versus legacy is a little bit different. So talent is based on like what we perceive and then legacy is actually what has actually happened. So um, Kevin Durant, he's one of the greatest players ever, but I don't think he can launch himself in the top 15 or into the top 10 conversation. He's in the top 15, which if you're one of the best 15 people to ever do anything, I think that's a pretty good spot to be in. But yeah, Kevin Durant didn't really show up. It'll be really interesting to see what they do next year. But yeah, this was a flawed roster and he had his fingerprints all over it in terms of guys he wanted and different stuff they wanted, their offense and whatever, and he tried to make it his way and it didn't work out that way. There are just some rules, like unspoken rules of basketball that you just have to obey and those guys didn't defend, they didn't rebound, they didn't pass all that much. That's usually not a recipe for winning. As for Kyrie Irving, Kyrie is just not very reliable. He's somebody who's deal, uh, dealt with constant injuries throughout his career, I think his 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 11th or 12th year in the league, he's only played more than 60 games four times. So, those other five or six years, he's missed basically a quarter of the season. And the best ability, you know, this kind of gets overplayed sometimes, is your availability. And it doesn't matter how good you are. If you're not showing up to work and you're not playing these games for whatever reason it is, it doesn't matter if it's a social issue like he's had or if it's something where you're injured. If you're not showing up and you can't play, it doesn't matter how good you are during the times where you do play. Like, If you average 100 points per game, you go, yeah, let's sign that guy to the biggest deal we possibly can. And then I go, by the way, he can only play four games out of the year. You go, well, (laughs) I don't know that I can sign him for all that much or a very long-term deal. So Kyrie has just had a lot of issues, and he's kind of been problematic as a teammate. He left LeBron. He uh, goes to the Celtics and then tells all these young guys, I'm going to teach you how to win. And they're all like, we know how to win. Please stop. And then they go to the conference finals without him, and they get to a Game 7 against his old team in LeBron, and then he says he has a migraine or, like, a toothache or something and can't show up to watch his team in Game 7 before they try to go to the finals, which was just lame. And then yeah. later on that year, he's they asked him, they're like, are you going to re-sign in Boston? He's like, if you'll have me, I'll re-sign. And then, like, three weeks later, he's like, I'm leaving.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm not his biggest fan personally, but I think a good thing to know is he's never led... a like a team to win or like led a team to a title he's always been a secondary like he was second to LeBron like when you think of that team like you think of LeBron leading them you know to that title but Kyrie hasn't done that and I feel like you know he's definitely proven proven himself in the league but I don't feel like he's proven himself as a great player or as a great teammate
1: Yeah, he needs to be consistent. He's somebody, like, you see these super teams that are kind of formed through free agency. So, like, the Heat, back with Dwayne Wade and LeBron, both had top five guys in the league. The Warriors with Steph Curry and Kevin Durant both had top five guys. The Lakers with LeBron and Anthony Davis, top five guys. Kevin Durant's a top five guy. Kyrie Irving has never been a top five guy. There is only one other, um, I guess, sequence or historical evidence that you can win with Kyrie, and that was with LeBron, but... Maybe if you have to have the second greatest player of all time as the only person who you can be the second to. And it's weird. Yeah. Kyrie left the Cavaliers. He's like, I don't want to be a second option. And then proceeds to be ends up being a second option after Jason Tatum and the Celtics. And he goes, I don't want to be a second option. So he goes to the Nets, proceeds to be a second option to Kevin Durant, and then even a third option to James Harden. And now he's back to a second option. I don't know. Kyrie is just super, super complicated. He's a really great player. He's super talented. But at some point, it's like, we need you to actually put this on wax and, like, actually win games. Yeah. I was talking to a friend about it because Damian Lillard and Kyrie Irving are kind of compared a lot and in the same stratosphere of players. But I was telling him, Kyrie Irving playing off Kevin Durant averaged, like, 15 points per game in the series after game one where he exploded for, like, 40 points. And I just know that Damien Lord would not do that and so I don't want to hear any of those conversations. But yeah, Kyrie, he just he makes it very difficult. He says a lot of very questionable things where I don't know, it's kind of like if you so if we were roommates or something and you spilled something in the middle of the kitchen or something and didn't clean it up and i'm like Haley, what happened you're like i don't know but we need to find the person who did this (laughs) it's like we both know who did this Kyrie was doing the same thing he's like yeah we just haven't had any consistency with this roster all year we've had guys in and out we haven't been able to build chemistry it's like you've missed all the games what do you mean who are you searching for this is mostly your fault and then he says things where he's like we're gonna figure it out me kevin durant our gm and the owner we're gonna all talk this out and it's like, are they gonna tell you to play more games? Is that the solution to this? Well
0: I feel like also Kevin Durant and like Kyrie have taken over like an on an on court coaching position, kinda like what LeBron did, but like LeBron's LeBron. Okay. You can't LeBron's one
1: of the smartest players ever, but yeah. Exactly.
0: And I just feel like it's not working out at all of them trying to come in and being like, okay, like we're gonna try and coach you like on the court like all this stuff and it just it never works out the way that they want it to and then they're like oh it's your fault it's not us like
1: yeah then you're blaming the coach when it doesn't work when it works it's all the players yeah yeah no they said that at the beginning they're like um you know you guys don't have a prime coach it was before steve nash got hired and Kyrie and kevin durant they're like we're gonna coach by committee i'll be the head coach one day we'll have somebody else a head coach we'll have an assistant coach and it's like No, it's called a head coach for a reason because everybody reports to that guy and that's how it works because you everyone needs a leader in the locker room. If everyone's just like doing whatever they want, you can't have anybody speak up and be like, hey, here's what we're doing. So it's important to have a leader.
0: I could not agree more. But let's move into Steve Nash's coaching ability. I wanted to
1: get to Ben Simmons. Oh, just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. Okay, yeah, Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is very complicated. I know you were saying that you wanted Ben Simmons to be successful in one of these other pods. He's
0: just not being as successful as I wanted him to. And I'm not trying to like pin him as lazy, but he always takes him. He hasn't played in over a year and he keeps taking himself out for mental health. And I'm all for, you know, mental health awareness. I'm all for like, if you need a mental health day, take yourself out. But now it's getting into the conversation. Is he well enough to play in the NBA? Can he handle this? And I feel like he's definitely breaking under the pressure.
1: It's a super difficult discussion because, I mean, I don't know how it would feel. I mean, you're more of a public person than me, just with Miss Oklahoma and whatnot, and more people know who you are. But, like, Ben Simmons has tens, maybe hundreds of millions of people who know who he is and think he's a quitter and think he's soft and think that he's not a good basketball player and troll him. You could talk to a million fans in the NBA and go, are you are go, do you like Ben Simmons? And I'm pretty sure, like, a million would say No. Which is really tough.
0: It is tough, but at the same time, you have to be the person to prove them wrong, and you have to be the person to, like, cast that all aside to do what your job is. Like, if you love basketball, what other people say should not affect you.
1: I agree with that, but at the same time, if a mil- if tens of millions of people are telling you you suck at something, like, Haley, if you just had <laughs> your next... Uh- pageant and you just like you tripped on the way out just face planted and then your twitter feed was nothing but people telling you Haley doesn't really love this she sucks she should quit i don't know why they're giving her money she doesn't do this she can't like whatever she can't give speeches or something that would make you feel bad
0: i mean that would make me feel bad but then it also i mean just like my personal mentality i'd be like okay i need to prove all of them wrong like i need to prove my spot to be there because at the end of the day you're always gonna have haters it just matters how much those haters will affect how you play or how you pageant or how you do any of that
1: yeah I just don't think Ben Simmons has that there's just some of that mental makeup like you see with guys like LeBron or Russell Westbrook who just want to kill people or Kobe who just don't care and there are <laughs> other people who are just more sensitive that's not a bad thing it's no. just the reality of the situation so I really feel for Ben Simmons on the mental health thing there are some people who have even said it's fake which I hope that's not true because that would be terrible because it feels like we're moving in the right direction with mental health as like a populace and just as um I don't know people understanding and being more accepting of it so if Ben Simmons is lying about that I'd feel really really terrible but yeah hopefully he can get back on the floor it's just so weird yeah like you said he hasn't played in a year they kept saying well he's about to come back he's about to come back and he hurts his back so I don't really know what the deal is I would be very very nervous if I was a Nets fan going to next year with some of the uncertainty with him and Kyrie but let's let's get into Steve Nash. We could talk about Ben Simmons all day.
0: Yeah, Steve Nash. Um, I feel like his coaching ability was kind of put into question with this series, especially with the Celtics. Like first year coach Ime Udoku, Udoka. Uh, uh
1: Udoka. Udoka. I'm sorry. That's um, a hard name. It's okay.
0: Um, because like it's his first year coaching, Ime, correct? So or is it Steve?
1: So Steve Nash is in his second year. He's okay. been more of a developmental coach, so he hasn't really had any like on staff coaching experience like being an assistant so he's usually like individual skills or something like that whereas Udoka has come from like the san antonio spurs system of being an assistant for a while so while he's in his first year he actually has a lot more experience than steve nash steve nash has the experience of being an all-star MVP yeah, he's, level he, yeah he's,
0: he's a great player but so i feel it's just like different yes it is different but you also have to keep in mind like playing is not coaching and it's it's there's a big difference so it's just honestly like how you view it because i feel like steve nash has not lived up to like the hype that he's supposed to live up to especially as a former player knows the system very well knows how to play the game i mean obviously you know how to play the game if you're a head coach but at the end of the day like you may adoku adaka
1: udoka yeah
0: udoka i'm so sorry <laughs> um but i just feel like he's done a better job as a first year than steve nash has into. two But, yeah, yeah, I guess that also goes back to experience. But it's just a whole different ballgame once you're a head coach than you are as an assistant coach.
1: Yeah, Steve Nash is working with a very flawed roster. I mean, they didn't have James Harden for half the year. They didn't have Kyrie for a bunch of the time. Kevin Durant had an injury. Before Kevin Durant's injury, they were actually the number one seed in the East, and that basically derailed the whole season. Ben Simmons isn't playing now. So it's not all on Steve Nash, but he definitely could have done a better job of, like, finding different situations to put guys in better positions to score and to win. I think he definitely tried some things, but they ran into a buzzsaw against the Celtics. And some of it does come down to like Kyrie and Kevin Durant need to go out there and play better. Um, I remember an old quote from Bob Stoops about the OU football team of like, we can call the plays and it can be the perfect play, but like they have to make the play.
0: Oh, absolutely. And we saw that with OU's last football season for sure.
1: Yeah. But Steve Nash, Hopefully, he'll be back next year. I hope he's not the fall guy and the guy to blame because all these things go wrong. But usually, whenever a team needs a shakeup, they fire the coach because the GM has the power to fire the coach. And if the GM said it's a flaws roster, then they'll go, why don't we just fire you? And it's just everybody covering their butts and trying to do something different.
0: I agree. I agree. But speaking of, you know, the Nets, they're great. But we're let's, let's move on to the Celtics and ask the question, how great are the Celtics? Um, how far can the Celtics go postseason? Um, can they get to conference finals the finals can they win at all what are your thoughts
1: a lot of it is just with the playoffs is determined on like who you face and matchup wise I think they have what it takes to go all the way and maybe win it it depends on who they play like I just said but um, they're gonna have to play Giannis in the next round it looks like Zach Levine just went into COVID protocols and they're down 3-1 to the Bucks. so it looks like the Bucks are gonna close that out Giannis and KD are two of the greatest players in the world, but Giannis just provides so many different obstacles compared to Durant. So it'll be really interesting to see how Giannis attacks this defense after it gave Durant so many problems, because I think that'll be the key to it. Um, I think the Celtics are really, really good. My only question is I have some questions about like some of their point guard play with Marcus Smart. I'd rather have somebody else as my ball handler. But at the end of the day, Jason Tatum is on fire and looks like one of the five best players in the world, and their defense is just suffocating people.
0: I agree. I mean, I definitely feel like they are a title contender. And, I mean, like some people can debate it, but I feel like they have proven themselves throughout this season, and especially with their big blowout against the Nets, everyone that caught everyone's attention. Um, but I feel like the Celtics... Have the defensive tools to limit Giannis and the rest of the Bucks if they just keep pushing the way that they have been pushing. Um, it's where offense is really going to get them because Giannis is such a good, you know, shooter. Like the he's not
1: a good shooter. He's not- Giannis is not a good shooter. Okay,
0: isn't isn't Zach Levine then the Zach good shooter? Zach Levine is a really good shooter. Okay. You got it, sorry, yours. I got them mixed up. But like, it, it should be really interesting. Now that Zach Levine is kind of in COVID protocol and all of that So stuff. yeah, he's
1: out for that one. They'll probably get eliminated. I think the biggest, I guess, like under the radar thing is Chris Middleton, who's I guess the Robin to Giannis's Batman sprained something in his MCL or hurt his leg or something like that and he's going to be out for the rest of this round and maybe part of round two so having your second best score and a guy who's going to guard Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and some of their better players is definitely going to be a mystery or not a mystery it's going to be a big concern but it's going to definitely be fun to see how Giannis reacts because this is one of these you talked about Kevin Durant's legacy this is a legacy series for Giannis as If he can go back-to-back and win another championship after last year, he's going to be vaulted into those conversations of guys of how good he can be because he's only, like, 26 right now.
0: I agree. I definitely agree. But so do you think the Celtics are great?
1: I think they're really good. I don't know – I'd put them in my top five teams left right now, but there are just so many injuries going on right now, yeah. which we're going to get into with I the panic like button I feel like it's so teams.
0: unpredictable.
1: It is unpredictable. But yeah, it's just like one guy steps on another guy's ankle and it can just totally flip everything.
0: Absolutely. So speaking of the panic button, I need two teams right now that are feeling a little queasy, a little uncomfortable in their current position and need to hit the panic button in order to move to the next round.
1: I don't know if hitting the panic button makes them move on, but I think they need to do something to just... Well,
0: they need to light a fire they to They need like, to figure
1: something out. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. Okay, I get it now. I would say the Philadelphia 76ers are in danger right now. They got up 3-0 against the Toronto Raptors, which no team, Haley, in NBA history has come back from a 3-0 deficit. It's been done in hockey. It's been done in baseball, but never the NBA. Like It's like 0 in 250 is your odds or something like or the record. So the 76ers were up 3-0, and then Toronto, without their uh, one of their best players in Fred Van Vliet and their star rookie, Scotty Barnes, win Game 5, on the road and then win game six without Fred Van Vliet again with a hobbled Scotty Barnes The big story of this series is Joel Embiid uh, tore a ligament in his thumb on his shooting hand, so that's going to be a very big deal. I still think that the 76ers have to have what it takes to get out of this round, but James Harden has continued to look like playoff James Harden, which is not very good. Mm -mm. T. Steibold didn't get the vaccine, so he's not eligible to play in Toronto, but he's also been so bad that he hasn't been really eligible to play in Philadelphia either. (laughs) But I think that the 76ers should definitely be nervous. If you have a team coached by Doc Rivers who's blown some 3-1 leads, the most 3-1 leads of any coach, and you have James Harden who he goes out there and shoots like tour dates so it's like 3 for 14 and like um, it's like 12 for 24 just stat lines that look like tour dates it's not going to be good and your star players really hurt. So I still think Philadelphia pulls it out but I definitely... I'd have my hand on the panic button. I don't know I'm pushing it all the way down, though.
0: Um, One of my teams, I feel like the Suns aren't really shining right now. They really need to step it up if they want to beat the 8-seed Pelicans. I mean, the Suns are 1st seed right now, and they are tied 2-2 to with the eight seed. Like, come on, Suns. Like, I know we talked about them last week. We really thought they were doing good. Um, But the Suns without Devin Booker and the Pelicans are just, like, playing their hearts out this season. The Pelicans players CJ McCollum and Brandon Ingram are looking really great on offense, and Chris Paul has only dropped four points in the last game, which should be very concerning. The Suns... um Cannot expect a player as solid as Chris Paul. I mean, he drops 30 plus every game and is supposed to be carrying them to the next series, but yet he's only making four four points per game. That only speaks for Pelicans' defense right now. They are really pushing that defense against the Sun's great offense.
1: Yeah, they're just harassing him all game. They're keeping some guy on him, Jose Alvarado, just on him a full court and just like, we're going to tire you out by the time you play 40 minutes. And Chris Paul, plant diet despite that whatever it is <laughs> how much better shape he's in he's still hey, 30. Hey don't hate on the
0: plant-based no, I'm diet. Not. That's I love a good it, plant-based diet. It's flipped his
1: career but just like even with that he's 36. He's had a lot of injuries. Yeah. That's what I mean and it's just like I did we talked about it last time as you mentioned I said that the Suns could sweep all their way to the conference finals and then immediately Devin Booker gets hurt. I still trust the Suns more as they're a veteran team who's gotten the finals and I just trust Chris Paul more than those other guys but you know, whenever it's tied 2-2 like this, it's... It's a little know, nervy. It's very obvious, but it's now it's the best two out of three. The other yeah. games do not matter. You can just throw it out. So it'll be really interesting to see how Chris Paul responds after a bad game, like you just said, where he scores mm-hmm. four points. But I'm expecting him to come out looking like the point god, his nickname, and to drop the Pelicans in game five and set the Suns up for another 3-2 lead and then hopefully close it out in six or seven. They just need Devin Booker back. If they don't have Devin Booker back, they can't win anything. But when they have Devin Booker, they're definitely dangerous.
0: I agree. So who's your second team?
1: My second panic team would be the Miami Heat. So I'm not really panicked about them for this round. Well, maybe. I mean, they could blow a 3-1 lead. I
0: mean, that was another team that we had so high up, too. We were like, the Heat are so hot last week. And I guess now they're kind of cooling down. They
1: were up 3-1, and then they have Kyle Lowry, their starting point guard, gets... Out and injured, and he might not play until Game Six. Jimmy Butler's out for tonight's game as well. So if you're without your two best players, that's definitely something that's hard to play through. And Atlanta and Trey Young, Trey Young's not going to back up, uh, back down from anybody. I think it would hurt them a little bit more in a series in the next round against Philadelphia or Toronto. But yeah, Miami, I would definitely be a little bit nervous because they're all their eggs are kind of in this um, pile with guys like Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry who are in their mid to late 30s. So you can't mess around with injuries, and you never know with things like this. These injuries can be nagging. Everyone's hurting in the playoffs, but if your injury is actually really hampering you, it can totally derail your season.
0: Absolutely, and my last one is the Utah Jazz um, they're down right now, 2-3 against the Dallas Mavericks. And keep in mind, this is the Dallas Mavs without Luka, without their big star player. And the Jazz were looking so vulnerable against the Mavericks when Luka was out. And now that Luka's back, the Jazz could really be done for after his return. I mean, if the Jazz lose this series, they will have it will raise serious questions about their center, Ru- Rudy Gil- Gobert, Gobert. 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 Yeah. and head coach Quinn Snyder.
1: Yeah, Quinn Snyder looks like he's out the door no matter what happens. It looks like he's on a first-class jet to San Antonio to be their next head coach after this season. But, yeah, Donovan Mitchell, who's their star player, has not shown up. And now it looks like he's out for the next game for game six. So they could get eliminated without their best player even out there. Rudy Gobert... We could talk about Rudy Gobert for hours like we do with Ben Simmons. He's (laughs) such a complicated, polarizing player. Uh, But they just faced a bad matchup, and it looks like the Jazz have – I know I made this analogy, I think, with you earlier, maybe it was with John, about the parents who are, like, waiting for their kid to go to college before they get a divorce. And it's like, we are just waiting on the Jazz to blow up as a team. This is just not working, and I don't really think it's something where you can like retool and reshape this where you trade one of those guys and you figure it out unless there's some dream trade scenario that comes out. I think this is one where you're kind of just like destined to blow it up, kind of like the Thunder did and Restart from Scratch, only they won't have Shea and Giddy on their side.
0: Yeah, I mean, it should be interesting to see how the rest of these series play out, but more interesting to see how next series play out because, you know, like we mentioned earlier, injuries are just so common right now. Everyone's getting hurt. Everyone's hurting, like you mentioned. So it's just who hurts less, yes. and it's a battle of that.
1: So much can change in a week. I mean, last week we were talking about it's like, oh, the Suns are just going to sweep all the way there, and the Bucks are looking great, and this and that, and the Warriors like, oh, we have some questions because, like, Steph Curry's coming back off an injury, and now they look like the best team in the West so much can change within one game and just the adjustments that these teams can make, but it's been a really fun playoffs and like you said, we're in for a really good second round with whatever teams come out because it is going to be extremely competitive and hopefully we get some six and seven game series.
0: I agree. I can't wait to see how, how it all plays out, but I think that's all the time we have for today, Michael. Thank you so much for you know putting on the Thundergrads. We only have a couple episodes left, which is looking pretty sad for this season, um, but we hope everyone out there is doing great and you need to Follow us on social media at the Thundergrads on Instagram um, and just keep up with any new content that we have. Do you have anything last to say, Michael?
1: Stay safe during tornado season. Thanks so much. Yes.
0: Thank you so much. Bye, y'all.